This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, a pleasure to kick off our look at Labor and Labor Day with the current U.S. Labor Secretary, Marty Walsh, who also just happens to be the former mayor of Boston. Secretary Walsh, thanks for a few moments today. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. And I guess let's start out with kind of the biggest story in your arena around uh, the labor sector and, and the payrolls reports. Uh, we know that, you know, tomorrow we're going to get uh, the jobs report from the BLS. We saw the private sector payroll uh, at 374000 Uh What do you believe is the state of the labor market right now? Well, certainly, you know, we're optimistic the, the economy is, is, is recovering and, and we're looking to the future. We've added since President Biden's been in office, four million jobs to the economy, uh, and part of that is through a lot of work and a bold vaccination plan. Uh, we're also working to make sure that uh, we, we have 2,400 job centers across the country providing free help and career needs and skill assessments to, to help people either build a resume uh, or help find education and training certification. So we feel we feel good about where we are moving forward. Obviously, we're a little concerned about the Delta variant, uh, maybe a little more than a little concerned with what, what that potentially could do to our, our job market and, and our economy. I mean, we've been 19, almost 20 months here now fighting this coronavirus. Uh, and, and, you know, we've done a, where I think a, a good job of, as a member, as individuals continue to move forward. But we have to keep an eye on that as we move forward here. So you bring up something I wanted to touch on anyway. Are, are you seeing a, a marked shift in people wanting to change careers at this point, noticing that there is an opportunity maybe to to find a an area that they would like better than maybe their current job, maybe be able to get a higher rate of pay, better benefits, et cetera? Well, you know, I, I was talking about the other day. We'll be, during the last few months, many people have been saying, how come people aren't going back to work? And everyone was kind of focused on this $300 uh, supplement to, to unemployment insurance, and I, I think the one that goes a lot deeper than that. Child care is impactful, is part of that. Not having good strong child care, schools being closed, uh, but also I think a lot of people thought during the pandemic about assess where they are in their life, and that's why I think the need for investment in job training is so important to make sure that we continue to to, to create pathways for people into uh, different skills and different careers. Uh, some folks lost their business, meaning their industry either shut down or, or, or didn't come back the way they expected it to. So uh, there's a lot of reasons people aren't back at work yet. But I think that one of the I would have to assume one of those is a lot of people are saying, wait a second, I, I want to earn more money. I want to be able to support my family better than I was pre-pandemic. And, and I need to do that. And that's why I think we have a responsibility as a government to continue to make investments in, in job training and employment services. Right. And I think that was part of what was being discussed at the White House, what, a week and a half ago when you had the variety of tech executives there and the question of hiring and, and equitability in the uh, in the tech sector and really thinking about the issues around security and the opportunities that are there for so many people, uh, you know, to be able to maybe uh, transfer into that uh, into that sector over the next uh, couple of decades. Absolutely. And when I was the mayor of Austin, I mean, I had many conversations with the tech industry and talking about the importance of the ability to tap into uh, a, a new a new group of workers in America and a new group of workers in Boston. And quite honestly, they were talking about high schoolers. How do we, how do we make better connections to younger people uh, to create the pathways for them? So I think we have to continue to be creative here. I don't, I don't think that the same old playbook that we've done year after year after year, decade after decade, it's a little different right now. Even even in manufacturing, uh, a lot more technical skills in manufacturing. So I think that we, we can work to prepare these workers 
for jobs in those in those facilities. I was out in uh, I was in Toledo, Ohio, the other day at a company called First Solar, who's building a their second uh, manufacturing solar plant. Um, they're looking they're going to be looking for workers, and, and I had a conversation mm-hmm. with the CEO out there about as we as we toured his first factory about the ability to to be able to train workers and get workers in there. And uh, he was excited about the potential of partnering with the Department of Labor and and really thinking about how do we create a program that works to to help him get get skilled workers, trained workers, quite honestly. And obviously we're at a time right now where uh, in terms of growth of tech, it's not just Silicon Valley anymore. You mentioned about what's been done in the Boston area. People, I think, maybe don't talk about it uh, enough about all of the tech companies that are on that tech corridor on Route 128 in Boston, but also the city of Austin and so many other areas. You can really develop a tech sector relatively quickly, I think, these days. You really can. And, and, you know, you think about Boston, the tech sector used to be 128 and now, now it is is downtown Boston, the, the South Boston waterfront, downtown Cambridge, uh, you know. So, so uh, which is in Massachusetts, which you know, you, you can think about when you think about these these areas. If you have a strong community college, or you have a strong college system, or you have a, you know, if, you, if you're if you're teaching good STEM education in high schools, you have the ability as as leaders, whether it's mayors or town managers, to really attract companies to your region, and that's why. You know, I feel that the infrastructure bill, the, the bipartisan bill, the president was able to pass uh, to get support for uh, over a trillion dollars in investments in physical infrastructure in America. And then the other infrastructure bill, which is the Build Back Better agenda, which has, you know, job training and, uh, and workforce development money in there. All of that, it, it, it's a complete, um, you know, it's a process of how do we not just build our roads, but how do we continue to strengthen workforces? How do we get strengthen? continue to strengthen the cares economy here in this country. We haven't had but, that type of investment in a while. I think companies are excited and open to it as well. But I've read a couple of interviews that you've you've done recently, and you've talked about how this is really kind of a, a pivot period for the United States in terms of our economy, but more specifically in terms of our labor force and where we're headed over the next several decades. No, there's no question about it. It's, I mean, you know, the president is, is really focused on creating and, and allowing pathways into the middle class. The way you do that is by creating opportunities. By the way you do that is by working with businesses and, and companies and, and, and workers and, and how do we create opportunities in those areas and job training, workforce development, job centers. And, and doing it in a different way than we've done in the past is, is really the way to do it. I mean, I, I saw it firsthand as I saw it firsthand in Massachusetts when we started to, when I was in the legislature, we started to do some some legislation around around attracting tech companies and STEM companies to Massachusetts. That was about 15 years ago. Fast forward, Massachusetts, in a lot of ways, is leading on STEM and tech is, is coming strong in the city of Boston. Right now, we're laying down the foundation, the groundwork to allow opportunities for people to get into the middle class. What's the state of labor unions in the U.S. right now? Because I know that's important to you as well. I mean, I think, you know, their, their, their membership, uh, I don't know the exact number of the membership. Obviously, the membership isn't this isn't where, where where they would like to be. I think they'd like to see bigger numbers. It's certainly not as big as it was 30 years ago. But but I think that the the, the mood and 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 the change of of uh, perception of labor unions is changing in this country. Uh, I think I saw a poll the other day: 70% of millennials uh, support labor unions. And I think the next generation is really interested in looking at labor unions. I think you know labor unions are. Uh, there's a new president of the AFL-CIO. President Trump got, uh, passed away a couple weeks ago. Uh, Liz Schuler, first woman to lead lead the labor movement. Uh, so the labor movement in itself is evolving and changing and growing as well. So I, I think it, it's strong. I mean, there's still there's still a need and a necessity for the labor movement. 
uh, there's a need and necessity for people to be able to have power and collective bargaining and better wages and better health care uh, and all in retirement. So I think the labor movement has, has a, an opportunity here as well as we move into the, the, this, the second part, I mean, the, whatever, the second quarter of the 21st century. The question around the minimum wage, how much in your mind is it a federal issue and how much of it is a state issue? And you obviously are seeing this from both perspectives, uh, you know, being the mayor of Boston, because I think a lot of people also say that the dynamics of certain economy, certain pieces of the economy in certain portions of the country, because of the fact that they are different, it may have a different impact, say, in Iowa than it obviously would in your former and uh, former town of Boston. Yeah, I've been traveling all over the country, and when you think about when you, when you talk to people in the street, um, you know, I was in, uh, I've been in St. Louis, I've been all over the place talking to workers groups, and, and workers groups that are making $12.65 an hour, workers that are making $12.65 an hour, whether it's in St. Louis, Missouri, or, or Eugene, Oregon, or Boston, Massachusetts, it's still $12.65 an hour, and it's very difficult and complicated for people to raise a family on, and you know, the president has been very clear on wanting to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Um, I've been very clear on wanting to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Uh, the perception of that it will ruin business is, is just, a, is just a, a fallacy. It's not true. Uh, we, we have not seen any states that have increased the minimum wage or any cities that have increased minimum wages in there with they have the ability to do that have not seen businesses uh, shut down or go bankrupt because of it. Mr. Secretary, thanks for a few moments uh, for joining us and talking about the the state of labor here in the U.S. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say happy Labor Day to everyone as this weekend comes. Uh, you know, just uh, take a moment to reflect on, on on the folks that were able to give us, uh, bring us the weekend, bring us uh, good supports in our, in, our, in our labor communities. All the best. Thank you, Secretary Walsh. All the best. Bye-bye. Current U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh joining us to discuss the state of labor in the United States. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.